Hello everyone. Today we are in conversation with Mr. Biswanath Sinha. He has worked in numerous programs ranging from farm and non-farm based rural livelihoods, microfinance, health, skill building, energy, education, promotion of excellence in sports and institution building. He has worked in the Society for Promotion of Wasteland Development (SPWD) Cent Central Himalayas for five years. Currently, he is working with Tata Trust Pan India for the last fifteen years. Hello, sir. Glad to have you with us today. Thank you for joining in. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Thanks. So, sir, I have certain questions for you to ask, and yes. my first question goes like: uh, Please share us about your background on how did you join the development sector. Okay, so uh, I come from a small state, um, Tripura. So I think this is the only state in India which is surrounded by another country. Mm -hmm. So in real sense, uh, landlocked state. So we have only about you know 35 kilometers border with the other parts of India. So um, that way, it is a unique state. So I was born in a village called Halahali, in um, one district called Dhalai, and I was born and brought up. And my initial study uh, in my childhood, uh, up to my high school level, was in the village. And uh, after twelve, uh, uh, I went to uh, Bhubaneswar for my uh, engineering course. Then um, I did not know much about the. so-called ngo world or development sector but um, during my uh, university days uh, i was involved in uh, some you know voluntary activities and then uh, the kind of work uh, the ngo sector was doing uh, had become attractive to me in a sense so i got an opportunity to work um, Uh, from the college itself, uh, with one that time I would say not so big but uh, good emerging NGO called Professional Assistance for Development Action, which is popularly known as uh, Pradhan in India now, and today it is one of the largest NGOs in the country. So, so I got an opportunity to work there. I my first work was for about five years uh, with tribal communities. The Mundas, the Oraus, the Hos, uh, mostly in uh, Chota Nagpur Plateau. That time it was uh, part of Bihar, so we used to call South Bihar. But now this is part of Jharkhand. So I was uh, virtually living in villages, in particularly in two blocks called Karra and Kunti. Uh, Kunti has become a district now, I think. Yes. So I worked very closely with the tribal communities there. i uh, worked on you know improvement of their uh, economic conditions by means of uh, implementation of uh, micro lift irrigation schemes i also worked on how to enhance the productivity of land and better utilization of water uh, in watershed development and i also worked with uh, the tribal women on savings and credit activity i am talking about the time when both the name hsg 
and watershed development were completely new uh, to the country. So, so that is how I started working in uh, in the development sector. And then I moved to another NGO, as you were mentioning about uh, SPWD. So I went to the Himalayas, uh, mostly mm-hmm. in central Himalaya. And uh, I worked there um, mostly with other smaller NGOs, um, 20-25 odd NGOs across the Himalaya, Himalayan range. And we were trying to do some appropriate technology uh, implementation in the villages as well as uh, how to improve the livelihood conditions of the people there. So I would say in uh, Sanjal Pargan, uh, sorry, in Sotanapur Plateau, um, the challenge was, uh, it was a land where there was sufficient water uh, in terms of rainfall. So there was an annual precipitation of about, uh, you know, 1100 to 1200 uh, millimeter per annum, which was sufficient for two or three rounds of crops, but it was not possible because of the nature of the land where water holding was not possible and it was a monocropped area. And uh, in the Himalayas, uh, there was different kind of challenge because in the Himalayas, again, it is full of natural resources, including sufficient rainfall, but the slope was too high and uh, it was very challenging for the uh, communities there to continue, you know, stable agriculture activities, agriculture which could sustain them for around a year. So from both the places, you know, there were similar issues like large-scale migration, particularly of your know, of the youths to the uh, cities or to other agricultural fields. So I think first about 10 years of my career working in these conditions uh, had taught me a lot uh, in terms of uh, what are the challenges being faced in different conditions by different communities. I think by and large the communities were living very, very, uh, you know, happy life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, at least the soreness was not uh, uh, there projected on daily life, although you know, in an average, you know, uh, comparative analysis probably in terms of, I would say, lifestyle, uh, probably um, they were not at par with uh, many other different countries for city life. But um, nevertheless, I would say there were uh, uh, different types of challenges. And um, challenges in the sense uh, that uh, there was uh, insecurity of, uh, you know, uh, food, food uh, availability. Uh, at the household level. Um, if you see the um, malnutrition status of uh, the people there, especially uh, the children and women, so obviously um, their condition was worse off than uh, the national uh, situation in the country. So in many ways, you know, um, especially I would say the tribal belt in central India um, was lagging far behind. Mm-hmm. And uh, in uh, the Himalayas, the challenges were of different type. Connectivity was a challenge, uh, you know, then there were village after village uh, uh, from where almost the entire population moved away. So the abandoned villages mm-hmm. were quite uh, predominant uh, in the state of uh, Uttarakhand. So I worked on those conditions and that was a great learning uh, and an opportunity in my life. 
I totally agree with what you said because when you work with nature so closely, you get to learn a lot. And thank you for sharing such beautiful insights about both the regions. So, sir, my next question follows is that I, as I mentioned in your introduction, you have worked in diverse agencies. So, hmm. please share something about that with the audience. Okay, so in terms of uh, agencies, uh, I would say I have been lucky to work with good agencies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the agencies are not only uh, my uh, employers, um, you know, during the course of time, uh, I worked with uh, so many agencies. I, mm. I, I think I even can't count the number of uh, partner NGOs with whom I, I, I have worked so far. So uh, my first job in Pradhan uh, was mostly, you know, kind of doing by ourselves. But still, we uh, had enough interaction with uh, other NGO partners as well as uh, the state government and uh, other development bank and uh, other stakeholders. Mm -hmm. In my second job, since um, it was mostly for capacity building of smaller NGOs and mm -hmm to provide some kind of hand-holding support and technical support to them. So I have been very lucky to work with uh, so many NGOs. Uh, so some NGOs were like direct partners, some NGOs were training partners, some NGOs were part of you know, capacity building. So I would say during my short period of time, I must have come across at least uh, 150 odd NGOs uh, in the central Himalaya, Himalayan region. And my third job, uh, although of short span, was also kind of Pan India work. And interestingly, uh, where I worked, um, the agency is called Sadhan, mm -hmm. and it is an it is a unique organization in the sense that it has been set up by uh, association of uh, community development finance uh, institutions. So at that time, around 130 uh, such. NGO MFIs for NGOs came together and they put up their association mm -hmm. and the agenda was provided by the members mm -hmm. so our uh, our uh, you know mandate was to fulfill the agenda of the members so i specifically work on one subject which is capacity building of self help promoting institutions okay. hspi we, we used to call um, which means uh, mostly NGOs or some NGO MFIs, which were working for better access of credit for the members. Members means uh, community here. Mm -hmm. But one unique uh, characteristic was that all these SHPIs were essentially uh, controlled by the community members mm -hmm. because it was either SHG or SHG Federation or joint liability groups. So we specifically focused on those uh, NGO MFIs, which were working with membership-based, uh, you know, financial institutions. And there, uh, my mandate was to work uh, for the capacity building of smaller MFIs, okay. specific, specifically what we used to call in uh, unreached areas. <laughs> so unreached areas at that point of time. Uh, was mostly in Central India and Eastern India and Northeast India. So there again, I got lots of opportunity to work, work, work uh, with so many, so many, you know, organizations. 
organizations which have got uh, similar mandate <laughs> and in my current job um, in tata trust uh, we have been working with uh, many partners uh, i think even today we must be have, having around 160 odd ngo partners <laughs> so because uh, i think the longest period of time so far in my professional life i have spent in tata trust and tata trust being also you know the largest donor agency indian donor agency in the country mm-hmm. so i have been very very unfortunate and un- very very you know lucky and fortunate to work with uh, um, many many uh, partners so i would say at least again 150 partners with whom we had projects implemented on ground so it's not like you know just meeting once or twice so in the process i think i was counting the other day um among all the districts in india i must have traveled to around 96 97 districts for work related thing it is not like i am crossing one district and reaching another district and i am counting it so i while i am saying 96 97 means i spent sufficient amount of time in those districts and got to know about certain uh, developmental challenges because i went there for either pre assessment of a project or mm-hmm. assessment for any existing project or doing some kind of survey where we were trying to develop a new project so and these districts range from uh, you know jodhpur to twenchan twenchang and mon in nagaland jodhpur in rajasthan mm-hmm. to uh, you know uh, tihri garwal in uh, uh, you know uttarakhand to uttarakhand to you know far down uh, you know southern uh, districts so it has been um, very very enriching experience so i would say i have been very very lucky in my professional life because i like my job uh, this kind of work also and i enjoy interacting with the communities so it has been um, very good for me to get to know about different kind of challenges you know different communities in different locations uh, face on day to day life i after listening this thing of yours i i can i can rather say that from east to west north to south name an ngo and you have worked with them or collaborated with them it feels so nice and special to hear that yeah no that will be an overstatement but i will say yes mm-hmm. i have been lucky to work with you know good number of uh, ngos mm-hmm. and uh, i would say most of them uh, have been you know very good uh, while working together glad to hear that sir Uh, so my next question comes is that what are the common points in all the work you have done so far yeah so i think uh, if uh, i try to draw a common uh, kind of dot uh, among all the projects or the communities or the locations or the type of projects i would say we try to work with uh, the last man standing Uh, in most of the cases um, so uh, if it is uh, say uh, the southern or western part of prisa uh, say raigara korapur and uh, nabrangpur uh, no area um, uh, whether it is kifri uh, in uh, uh, nagaland or uh, tamenglong in manipur or uh, even you know uh, kunti or 
वेस्ट सिंहभूम और ईस्ट सिंहभूम इन इन झारखंड तिहरी गढ़वाल पौरी गढ़वाल चमोली इन इन उत्तराखंड तो इवन इन डिस्ट्रिक्ट लाइक धेमाजी और नॉर्थ लखीमपुर इन असम ियर you know dhemaji and lakhimpur for example is uh, prone to floods every year even uh, kendrapara and uh, that belt of mahanadi river basin <laughs> that is also where also i have uh, quite number of you know project experience so and uh, because of the um very threat of natural calamities and other kind of natural disaster which happens quite frequently these days uh, the mm-hmm. entire himalayan region so i would imagine that all the places uh, people were either economically uh, not so developed or uh, you know because of uh, the uh, the local situation there mm-hmm. were the most vulnerable community that is nice to hear sir that you have drawn a common ground in all the aspects of your work so sir as my next question follows that what do you think the what are the factors that are lacking in the development sector now that you have worked for so long in this industry yeah so uh, first of all this is my again personal view uh, is that the development sector cannot isolate itself uh, from the uh, development in the main uh, mainstream which is happening so on one hand uh, now india is regarded as the fifth largest economy in the world yes and obviously uh, you know till about uh, one year back our economy was doing very well and we were poised to you know get into even probably the position of third largest economy mm-hmm. only that will happen uh, and it has been obstructed because of the current situation uh, and um, uh hopefully you know in a short period of time we will move towards that position uh, that is one aspect on the other hand uh, if you see um, the situation on the ground so there are uh, communities uh, which are really facing serious problem it's not only because of economic condition but because of other vulnerability factors and uh, um we have around you know 56% of our population depending on agriculture and allied activities as their major source of uh, income and livelihood mm-hmm. and uh, the gdp uh, contribution by agriculture and allied sector is um, decreasing day by day and our lands are getting fragmented 85% of our farming community is actually a small and marginal farmer so meaning they have less than 1 hectare of land so um, and uh, um, if you see um, there are challenges of uh, india moving uh, fast towards uh, getting ur- urbanized mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I think by another 20 25 years 50% of uh, India's population is going to be in urban areas. Mm-hmm. So urban poverty itself is uh, another dimension on which probably many people ha- have not worked uh, yet uh, very exclusively. So um development sector has to uh, you know come in terms with what is happening and what is going to happen in near future so for example uh, when we were going to school or colleges uh, you will uh, find that that time it was quite common to see in villages uh, children not going to school or children not getting enrolled to school at all but today you will find it quite rare that the parents are not willing to send their children to school why i would imagine every parent today in india wants to send their children to school whether they are getting dropped out from the school at the primary level or at the you know elementary level or high school level that is different story but uh, it is now almost common that everybody at least gets enrolled almost everybody gets enrolled into school because of certain policies of the government uh, i don't think we are currently in a scenario where starvation death kind of situation uh, will prevail which was there probably you know 25 30 40 years back that was quite common uh, thing to happen particularly in the uh, backward areas in 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 india so in many ways i think uh, overall we have improved a lot so thereby uh, the development sector has to position itself in a manner which could contribute for the overall progress of the country in a very very constructive manner it does not mean uh, to i don't want to mean to say that uh, the sector should refrain from you know uh, criticizing uh, if there are some uh, bad policies are coming up so that anyway i think uh, in the the sector has been known for doing that uh, for uh, over a period of time and uh, in that they have contributed also but at the other, on the other hand i would also say if you see uh, lots of innovations uh, mm-hmm. i would say social reforms type of innovation which has, which had happened in last about 20 25 years they are again the contribution of the social organizations has been extremely extremely good whether you take the case of right to information act or you know implementation uh, or enactment of uh, the uh, mahatma gandhi um, uh, rural national rural employment guarantee act so uh, food security act so in uh, uh, and right to education etc so you will find uh, lots of uh, you know innovations and lots of social reform kind of uh, um, interventions have been made successfully by the uh, social sector so that is one and second is um, i think also uh, overall there will be uh, you know changes happening for example we have around 65% of our population today uh, um 30 uh, you know having a age of less than 35 35 so employment and employability of uh, this uh, young uh, people is also a challenge so i think uh, the social sector uh, players 
can play very important role in this kind of you know um, in this kind of situation also so in a sense you know uh, you know some traditional ngos which are doing very good work in their own field um, probably will continue doing do, do do so because the requirement is so huge in the country i don't think there will not be lack of any space to work in that field but there should be also enough number of uh, innovations happening uh, and uh, those innovations will probably also bring in fresh blood and fresh thinking in this sector yes sir uh, i would say that innovation and development are just like the two things which need to go parallel with each other and thank you so much for uh, putting in so insightful detail of the development sector factors that they are lacking and sir my next question that follows is what are the emerging trends and challenges so uh, yeah so uh, i think uh, technology has uh, come up in recent years as a uh, as a big thing and it's also affecting um, the whole sector uh, as well and i would say rightly so so there are lots of talk about lots of happening about you know how to use technology for aggregating um, the supply chain of uh, agriculture producers Mm-hmm. there are lots of um, you know lots of uh, initiatives happening in um, how to use um, you know it in education for for example so and uh, particularly during this lockdown period i think uh, um, the importance of uh, use of it specifically for either for skill development or mm-hmm. you know teaching and learning or even for sports training uh you know uh, it has become very very kind of uh, important issue uh, during this lockdown and um, this is one um so use of technology uh, i think uh, is going to be uh, uh, a new trend and uh, that is going to be a good thing to also happen uh, on the uh, and also i think um, there will be some innovation uh, emerging in uh, service delivery for example how you can uh, you know deliver health basic health services and um, um, it can also be kind of uh, hybrid model mm-hmm. where it's not entirely on the basis of charity but you can also generate some revenue so uh, those uh, kind of uh, hybrid models i could imagine in coming years uh, will come up and uh, i hope uh, with uh, you know lots of uh, uh, technically qualified uh, people hopefully coming into the sector so and uh, also people with, with uh, you know right kind of uh, mindset um, there will be lots of uh, lots of changes happening and i would like to add on to what you said of that emerging trends of technology has made us so close that we are even able to interact with you had not been the yeah. technology we would have never interacted god knows yes. thanks to this yeah. technology yeah. then yeah so towards the end of the session sir i would like to i would like you to pass on any message to the youngsters who are willing to join in this sector 
Yeah, so um, when I joined that sector, I think it was uh, not a very well-known sector. Um, um, now it is uh, quite well-known. Uh, if you analyze uh, the uh, evolution of uh, the NGO sector, even in, 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 in India, so I think before the independence, it, it was mostly driven by people like, you know, our, I would say, our uh, big leaders like Swami Vivekananda, who established uh, Ramakrishna Mission. So they have been doing ex- excellent work. Um, their contribution in certain, you know, uh, segment of our life, uh, to some extent, can should be considered a nation building process. Um, uh, this is just example. I'm sure there are uh, uh, many more such, organ- such organizations uh, across the spectrum of uh, you know various beliefs. Uh, so, uh, so I am including all of them. Then we have uh, you know um, another set of organizations which came post independence, but mostly between 1947 to 1980 probably. So they were. Uh, the Gandhian type uh, organizations. So I think uh, by and large their belief was, was that they will set up you know, development uh, projects in villages. Those projects will become successful. The villagers will participate fully. The villagers will contribute even land for setting up you know, their ashrams. And there are many such ashrams. And they will bring a kind of overall change in those villages and those successful stories will be replicated. Then in 80s and 90s we have come up, uh, we have seen coming coming up of uh, many so-called professional uh, organizations or organizations set up by professionally qualified people, let me put like that. So I think both Pradhan and SPWD where I work were such organizations which were set up in early 80s by you know highly professionally and um, you know professionally qualified and also dedicated individuals and now we see this uh, new trend of uh, various companies coming as part of their csr initiatives uh, partly because of their own and partly because of the mandate uh, made by the central government, central government. so yeah to put certain portion of their profits uh, for the social sector so I think overall, uh, if you see, there, and then in between there has been um, this uh, microfinance sector which has gone through uh, in a different trajectory, but most of the microfinance, uh, microfinance institutions in India have their roots in um, rural development or you know the NGO sector or non-profit sector and they gradually converted into for-profit. But giving service to the uh, society and for the community is still paramount to their ideology. So, um, so I would say in uh, such you know scenario, so uh, for the youngsters there are varieties of you know opportunities. In our time, probably we did not have much of choice, even if we had decided to get into this sector. But today, I think uh, we have uh, much more different type of choices, including the startups. The many start- startups are actually having you know. Um, uh, social commitments. So, and in terms of even, I think, uh, attraction by uh, how to sustain your um, minimum living cost, I would not say salary. I think now the opportunities and options are in much more number 
then it used to be say 15 years back or 20 or 25 years back but we need uh, people uh, uh, with you know uh, good heart and uh, and excellent uh, brain um, and if we can you know have even a few hundred you know such dedicated and qualified and highly committed uh, professionals i think uh, there can be a huge uh, difference made uh, for the communities thank you so much sir for bringing out such inf- insightfuls i hope that after listening to what you said many of our youngsters including me will be motivated towards working in this sector because by far the experience that you have is beyond anything and sharing all of those experience of so many years so many hard works in just few minutes conversation in itself is so inspiring and thank you so much for highlighting the issue of urban poverty which we yeah. as a nation are not that aware of thank you so much sir. and also i would like to end uh, by saying uh, a few if i may say uh, and take the and privilege of uh, saying this um for the youngsters specifically it is also good to you know know what not to do if uh, they want to come to uh, the sector so there is always this temptation about you know certain type of work where you get visibility and you get the uh, kind of you know advertisement very easily so many people might get attracted because of that there could be also possibilities that uh, because your skill set is different than people who typically work on the ground um that you will be uh, asked to do much more work on you know making beautiful ppts or you know fill in excel sheets mm-hmm. so i think my advice uh, to the youngsters particularly those who want to start their career in this sector would be please avoid those things as far as possible in the beginning try to soil your hands on certain you know specific projects where outcome output and outcome and impacts are well defined spend some 3 4 5 years of your initial career in hardcore you know projects on ground and then come back and try to do something that will give much more you know confidence and credibility to your work thank you so much sir i am totally mesmerized world by your ending note and i would like to end over here thank you so much for joining it thank you so much it was Sorry, really nice talking thanks thanks a lot